This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always Continuing with recapping every single aspect of the NFL draft, setting you up for your dynasty rookie drafts, your dynasty leagues, helping you better understand these rookies and their landing spots. Tonight we will turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball. We don't go there too often, but tonight we're talking IDP rookie rankings. You know, you heard my takes on these guys on the recap shows the weekend of the NFL Draft. You heard my takes on many of these defensive players when I did the division-by-division NFL Draft recap shows. But now, kind of spinning this a little bit to the fantasy lens, spinning this to rookie drafts that include your IDPs, and then talking a little bit about how I would rank these guys in terms of the edge players, which were made up of the D-line, and your edge rushers, the linebackers, and the defensive backs. I'll go through, share my rankings, my thoughts with these guys, and then kind of tell you how I would fit them in in an overall big board. I do think one of the tricky things about IDP leagues is the scoring. Well, we know every dynasty league has different scoring settings for offense. They're all pretty close in 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 terms of uniformity, in terms of the value of rookies. When it comes to IDP, though, it is very different. And I think that's what makes creating a overall consensus big board very single tricky, uh, you know, because it could have, a, it could be DT premium and sacks can be a premium or tackles could be extremely valuable. So there's a lot of different layers that go into making IDP rankings. So it's very hard to have a one size fits all for all the different leagues that are out there. So I think that makes it a little bit of a challenge uh, when you're doing IDP rankings. But we'll kind of talk through it a little bit. I am going to, again, for anybody watching on YouTube, I am going to share uh, the screen from the S2S Premium Rankings Notebook, just where my IDP rookie rankings are right now. So you should be seeing that on on the screen as well. Uh, So let's kind of jump right into it here a little bit and get started here with the defensive line slash edge group. And again, that's the big distinction, right? It depends on what site you're using. A lot of the sites now, especially MFL, have started to integrate the edge rushers. We know so many guys who are deemed three, four edge rushers based on depth charts uh, used to be classified as linebackers and then it really devalued them in fantasy. And now there's been a change that those guys are being more classified with the other edge rushers and the other defensive linemen. So I, I think that makes for, uh, you know, a more appropriate valuing in, in that regard. So let's start right there. Let's start with the D line and the edge, the edge rushing group. And, you know, Will Anderson kind of sits atop there in his own tier. Uh, Will Anderson Jr. out of Houston, obviously third pick in the NFL draft, you know, the premier defensive player in this class. I have been on record, though, says, like, I don't think he's on the level of a Miles Garrett on a Nick or Joey Bosa. Like, he's just not that kind of player. Like, when when I look at Will Anderson, I, I think he's going to be more 
you know, he doesn't have that elite get off, that elite bend off the edge. He he's very good with his hand usage. He plays with power. There's a lot to like about Will Anderson, but I look at Will Anderson, I think he's a ten to twelve sack kind of guy, not a fourteen to like sixteen kind of sack upside guy. Like I just don't see that. But in this IDP class, he's the clear uh top player at the IDP position from this rookie class. Uh, next up for me would be Tyree Wilson, uh, who was picked up by the Raiders at pick seven overall. And then Jalen Carter, who went nine to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll, I'll group those two guys together. They would make up a tier for me. For me, it would be Tyree Wilson and Jalen Carter. If you were in a DT premium league, then Jalen Carter you know, might even kick to the top of this list, to be frankly honest with you, uh, because we're talking about a guy who is upside is you know, to be able to wreck games literally like Warren Sapp once upon a time did, right? He's got the skill set where he can play with power, he can play with speed, he's athletic, he has good hand technique. For him, it's it, it, it's the other stuff, right? Does he have the want to? Is, is, folk, is football his focus? You know, is the off-the-field stuff going to stay off the field and not impact what we see on the football field? But in that team, on that D-line, you know, they're going to send waves of players you know, maybe this year he's a little bit more of a rotation, but, you know, by year two, year three, you could see him turn to a flat-out superstar if his focus is on football. So really high ceiling there. Tyree Wilson, you know, he's going to get every op- opportunity there. He he fits, if you think about, like, the prototypical New England Patriots edge players over the years and then so much of a Raiders influence, you know, a Patriots influence now with the Raiders, it makes sense that they went Tyree Wilson. The Patriots have, have had a lot of success with guys like that. So if you think about it, you know, if you think about different guys uh, that have had success for the Patriots, you could see Tyree Wilson kind of playing that role, whether he's more of a traditional defensive end or where he's a 3-4-5 tech or they stand them up, right? A lot of different things they could do with him to maximize his skill set. He's going to get a lot of opportunity right off the bat. So for me, it's Will Anderson, Tier 1. Tier 2 would be my second, third-ranked D-line edge players, and that would be Tyree Wilson out of uh, from Las Vegas and Jalen Carter from Philadelphia. After that, I think it starts to get a lot more clustered, and there's a lot of different way you can rank uh, from number four, I would say, all the way to almost probably number nine. I think four through nine really can be uh, ranked in, in any particular way. You know, for me, it's kind of like that big wide receiver group where you get to the Jaden Reed, Rishi Rice, Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, uh, Cedric Tillman, Tank Dell. And it's kind of like pick your favorite, you know, one that you want and rank them anyway. I kind of look at that for this section here. From four through nine, I do think you can rank them in any way you want and make a strong argument. Uh, for me, at number four, I have Nolan Smith. You know, drafted by the Eagles, he fell to pick 30. I honestly think that if Jalen Carter were to win the top nine, that Nolan Smith might have been the 10th pick in the draft. Does that change what his IDP would have been? Maybe. But, like, to me, he's the same type of guy. They have a guy who plays just like Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick. I think Nolan Smith could be a better version of that. Not this year, obviously, but I think he plays the run better than Hassan Reddick. He's got the same type of get-off as, as a guy like Hassan Reddick. And again, he's not going to be able to be a focal point of that Eagles defense based on how loaded they are. That I think Nolan Smith is set up 
uh, to really make an impact in, in year two and beyond. I wouldn't expect a big impact in, in terms of IDP and fantasy in year one, but I like the upside of him higher than any of the other guys in this big tier from uh, four to nine here. Uh, so that's where Nolan Smith sits atop that for me. After that is Will McDonald, the fourth, uh, who was drafted by the Jets at pick 15. I think Will McDonald, if we look back at his draft class and in five years we say who's had the most sacks of anybody in this draft class, I do think Will McDonald, if it wasn't going to be, if I wasn't going to pick Will Anderson Jr., Will McDonald would probably be the guy that I picked because he has the best first step explosiveness and bend off the edge of any pass rusher in this class. Are there questions about whether or not he could, you know, be a free down player, hold up against the run? Yeah, there, there, there's some legitimate concerns there. But in terms of this best pure speed off the edge, that's Will McDonald. To me, it's Will McDonald and Nolan Smith. They're the best two in the class. Uh, so the, the Jets go with Will McDonald and, I think Nolan Smith, Will McDonald, very similar in terms of upside. I, I, I have Nolan Smith slightly ahead because of the Eagles. I just think the team that they have built it there uh, would take some of the focus off of him if he turned into a premier pass rusher. And two, I like the talent a little bit more. Uh, and I think he's a little bit better against the run than Will McDonald, so he could pick up some more of those, you know, tackles along the way. But I do think they're they're both guys that have ten, you know, ten to twelve sack potential based on their explosiveness off the edge. So for me, it's Nolan Smith and Will McDonald. Other people would have the next guy, and that was Lucas Van Ness, who got drafted by the Packers. I like Lucas Van Ness, athletic, very versatile player. I'm just not sure. For fantasy, he's a guy that has 10-sack upside. I think he's going to have to make his his hay in fantasy as a guy who maybe gets seven to eight sacks, uh, plays the run well, gets tackles, this and that. I just don't think he has the ceiling of some of the these other guys uh, but he has the draft capital. He's got, you know, he's got the strength. He's got the power. He's got the athleticism. He's got the length. Uh, Green Bay has done a good job there with, with power pass rushers. Uh, so he's he set up in an environment that, that should see him succeed. Uh, but I think there's definitely a refinement and development needed for him. And I don't think he has that 10 to 12 sack upside of, of guys like Nolan Smith and Will McDonald. Next up in this tier, at number seven overall, the D-line edge is Kalaja Kansi. Listen, he might not be Aaron Donald, but he might be 75% of Aaron Donald, or he might be Grady Jarrett, right? Like, And Grady Jarrett had some really good fantasy years. I think Kalaja Kansi is the best interior pass rusher in this draft class. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how they use him, because... I think right now on their depth chart, he's classified as a defensive end because they have Vita Vea, they have, they brought over Gaines. So it'll be interesting because I think he's at his best. If he's lining up as a defensive end, I think that's going to take away from his strength, and that is beating interior offensive linemen with his speed and his quickness. So I think where Kansi's going to make his hay is when in sub-packages, if he is on the inside, his first step explosiveness to get into the backfield and be a disruptor is what I like. I look at a guy like Kalaja Kansi, and I think that he could have more sack upside than Lucas Van Ness. I don't think he's going to have the tackle numbers maybe as Lucas Van Ness will. Uh, but I think Kansi has a higher ceiling than Van Ness, but I think the floor is a little bit lower uh, because he does ha- he is a little bit of an outlier, right? We're, we're, we're betting that he's another guy who could you know, be a dominant pass rushing interior defensive tackle at like 282 pounds. So that's why I put him after Lucas Van Ness. But I really like Elijah Kansi. I thought he was a top 10, top 15 player in this class. 
The Bucks took him at 19. Uh, I think he's going to be an upfield penetrator and disruptor. So I have him a little higher than you probably see on other ranks because I think he does have eight to 10 or maybe even 11 sack upside, which is a lot of what these, I think, traditional, more defensive end or edge rushers have. I think Kansi can get there as well and then also be, you know, a disruptor against the run due to his athleticism, speed, and quickness. So that's why I had him a little bit higher than you're going to see in other IDP ranks. And number eight, I have Felix Unduke Uzuma, who went to Kansas City. Listen, I think Kansas City wanted Will McDonald or wanted Noah Smith, uh, Nolan Smith. They wanted that speed off the edge. Uh, Unduke Uzuma gives you some of that speed off the edge, but he's very strong, powerful. He's like 262. Uh, so he's got some speed and bend off the edge, but he's also a, a little bit more powerful and in terms of his play strength, power, and physicality than a guy like Nolan Smith or Will McDonald. He just doesn't have that elite get off, that elite first step bend and explosion uh, off the outside. But we've seen guys be very, very productive there in that Kansas City scheme. The pass rushers get a chance to get after the quarterback a lot due to the productivity of the Kansas City offense. So I think Onduke Uzuma is going to get a real chance there. You know, there were a lot of teams calling to try to get to the end of that first round pick. They didn't want to make the trade. They kept the pick. They had targeted him once McDonald and Nolan Smith were off the board. Uh, so I, I think he's got a real chance to, to be an impactful player there out of the gate. I just think his ceiling is probably capped. Similarly, Galagouz Van Ness, I think he's maybe an 8-10 to 10 sack type of player. Played a run well as also. Next up at number 9 is Miles Murphy. Only reason why he's at the end of this year for me is the Bengals are pretty crowded in terms of their pass rusher group. I just don't know the volume he's going to play right off the bat, which could hurt his sack opportunities, or more importantly, maybe hurt his tackle opportunities. Uh, you know, very good athlete, still some development and refinement from the technical side of things. He's got to, you know, uh, develop and increase his pass rush repertoire in terms of, you know, pass rush techniques. Uh, and he's in a little bit of a crowded, you know, pass rushing there. That's probably going to be a rotation and he's going to get every opportunity. And they love those bigger pass rushers. Uh, like Carlos Dunlap's of the world and stuff like that. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but again, first round draft capital for all those guys. I think their leash is a little bit longer. I think their opportunity to, to be starters, uh, is quicker when you're a first round pick. So I kind of have that tier. It's pretty spread out there from four to nine, but I don't think there should be a lot of gap, uh, in, in the drafting of these guys. And that's one of the things, and, and I'll talk about the next tier in a second, but I do think in IDP, the IDP draft that I've already taken part of that's mixed in with the offensive rookies as well, I'm surprised at how much separation there is between some of the rookies, right? Will Anderson goes off like in the second round and then like a round or a round and a half later, you start seeing some of these next pass rushers, right? Like Tyree Wilson or maybe Jalen Carter. And then another round after that, you start to see like, you know, Will McDonald and Lucas Van Ness and all these other guys. And then even rounds after that, you see, you know, Kalaja Kansi and Onduke Uzuma, you know, a widespread out. Like in the draft that I was in, I ended up getting Nolan Smith and I believe it was in the fourth round. And him and Will McDonald went early or or mid-fourth round. And then Onduke Uzuma went in the sixth round. Like to me, there shouldn't be this separation from these guys. These guys all should be taken within 8, 10, 12 picks of each other, I I think around of each other because they are all very similar players. But when other people are drafting other positions, things kind of start to spread out a little bit. And I think that's something where you can take advantage of the guys that are falling. If we make up the next tier, and I'm not going to 
I'll go through this tier, talk about it a little bit, and then just run off the rest of the guys on my list. In this tier, number 10 overall in my D-line edge rankings is Derek Hall out of Seattle, BJ Ojolari out of Arizona, Keon White out of New England, Isaiah Foskey uh, to the Saints, Brian Breesey to the Saints uh, would be kind of where I cut that off. For these guys, they're all second round uh, draft capital, except Brice, uh, uh Brian Brzee went in the first round. But Brian Brzee is a little bit more defensive tackle, and I don't think he's got the pass rush upside or repertoire of Kalaja Kansi, so that's why he's a little bit down in this tier for me. The other guys, though, Hall, Ojolari, White, Foskey, to me, they're all very comparable players. I'm surprised that I'm seeing separation in their value. And honestly, I don't think these guys were all that far off from the previous tier of the Nolan Smiths and the Will McDonalds and the Van Ness and, and those guys, the Miles Murphy. The only difference is these guys have a little bit lesser draft capital and, you know, their talent might be a little bit less, but it's, it's small, right? When Duke Uzuma went in round one, Miles Murphy went in round one, they could have easily went to the top of the, the early portion of round two where we saw Derek Hall go. We saw BJ Ojolari go. We saw Keon White and Isaiah Foskey. All of these guys went in the top half of round two. All the teams made it, were aggressive in wanting these players uh, none of them let them slip. None of them pivoted to the offensive side of the ball. I think all of these guys, Hall, Ojolari, White, and Foskey, should all be drafted pretty close to each other in range. And to be honest with you, I don't think they're all that far off, like I said, the, the round one guys. The Murphys, the Uzuma, the Kansi, the Lucas Van Ness, those guys. Like I prefer Will McDonald and Nolan Smith clearly over these guys, but I think these guys are not that far away. And I'm surprised the separation in rankings, the separation in ADP data uh, for the rookies or just what I'm seeing in, in rookie drafts as well. You can go through, right? Derek Hall, explosiveness, uh, very Carl Lawson type player. BJ Ojolari, one of the best for the day two guys. Really good pass rusher. Really good technical side of it. Good pass rush techniques. Keon White, the, the, you look at a guy like the Patriots, they, they look at him, I think, and they're going to think of a guy like Chandler Jones. They could do a lot with a guy like Keon White. He's going to be versatile, all different spots along the D line, stand them up, defensive end, kick them inside, defensive tackle. I think you're going to get the best out of Keon White, who's still a little bit unrefined, you know, former tight end at Old Dominion, uh, a journey to, to be where he is. And Isaiah Foskey, you know, the Saints were aggressive in, in picking him, even though they just had taken Brian Brzee in the first round. They double-dipped, you know, to add to that defensive line. Uh, so I think all those guys really similar in, in talent level. After that, to me, it's it's a little bit of a of a drop down. Uh, so number fifteen for me is Tuli uh, Tulopadu uh, went to the Chargers. Uh, versatile player. We'll be interested to kind of see how they envision using him more edge, the line, defensive end, how they use. But he does have a versatile skill set. Uh, I just didn't think the talent was as high as the the, the guys in the previous tier. Brian Young, had, who went to the Rams from Tennessee, this guy's an explosive pass rusher off the edge. He's a little bit of an older prospect. That's why he fell to the third round in the NFL draft and not the second round. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Brian Young is, is just as productive as that Hall, Ojolari, Keon, White, Foskey group. Uh, then you get to some really explosive defensive tackles. Number 17 for me is Keanu Benton, and number 18 is Maze Smith to the Cowboys. 
Both of these guys, I think, Benton's had more sack production, so that's why I put him there. Mozzie Smith, I think, is a little bit more of upside and potential. We haven't seen him put it together, but he's, you know, he was on Bruce Feldman's. He was number one on Bruce Feldman's freak list. So I think there's some upside and untapped potential there. If you're talking DT premium leagues, these guys get big jumps up there. Same thing with Brian Brzee. Obviously, I, I already talked about Jalen Carter. Uh, if any of these other guys got DT designation, you know, and you're in a DT premium league, they also increase a little bit in value. Uh, and then Yaya Diaby is at 19, uh, Tommy Adebuare, uh 20, DJ Johnson, 21 uh, to the Panthers, 22, Zach Harrison, Falcons, 23, Kobe Wooden of the Packers, 24 and 25, uh, two the Bears defensive tackle picks in round two. Zach Pickens at 24. Gervin Dexter at 25. So that is my D-line edge group. Uh, again, I think the depth is good. I think the top-end elite-level talent is pretty much just Will Anderson, and I don't even think he is in that super elite tier, but I think he's in the tier of his own. Then I think Wilson and Jalen Carter. Then there's that big tier of the other guys from round one, and then another big tier uh, who make up those day two guys. But I, I think it's good depth. I, I think the depth of it is really strong. Uh, you know, the fact that in the sixth round of a mix offense and defense rookie draft, you can find guys like Foskey and Keon White and, and, and stuff like that. Like I think those are good value picks. Uh it's just there was a lot of them. It just didn't maybe lack the star power at the top in terms of dominant fantasy IDP production. But I think there's a lot of intriguing players here in that D-line edge classification. If we take this over to the linebackers. Linebackers, uh, top of the list, clearly Jack Campbell. He's in a tier of his own. He was the best pure linebacker in this draft. He's got the highest tackle production. Uh, I think the Lions, he's going to get right there and be the leader of that defense. So for me, Jack Campbell is far and away in a tier of his own. Him and Will Anderson are the top two IDP rookies by far in this draft. I would say both of them, uh, you know, should go somewhere either, you know, I'd probably... I'd probably even take Campbell ahead of Will Anderson. I'd say late round one to early round two for for Jack Campbell in leagues that linebackers score well, then Will Anderson. To me, those are clearly the top two guys. After that, I think I would take the rest of my top 28 in terms of the offensive skill players because I've said it's a big drop off a cliff after pick 28 to me in Superflex rookie rankings on the offensive side. The only two guys that would stretch out into my 30, top 30, would be Jack Campbell and Will Anderson. Then I would start mixing in the other D-line guys and then some of the other linebackers here. So for me, my next group of linebackers, and and this is going to go against the grain, but I really do think almost in a tier should be Drew Sanders, who went to the Broncos, Deion Henley, who went to the Chargers, Trenton Simpson, who went to the Ravens, Dorian Williams, who went to the Bills, and DeMarvian Overshone, who went to the Cowboys. All of them, every one of them was taken in the third round. I don't really care what the pre-draft narrative was. And I think too many times we focus on the pre-draft narrative post-draft. The NFL said that they didn't look at Drew Sanders as a first-round pick. So it doesn't matter that mock drafts did. He went the entire second round without being picked. He went like a handful of picks into the third round without being picked. 
if, if, if the NFL thought this was a late first-round talent, he would have went somewhere on round two. He would not have fallen into the early portion of round three. Same thing for Trenton Simpson. Baltimore took him late in round three. It doesn't matter anymore that pre-draft narrative, some people had to him in the late round one mocks or early round two mocks. Doesn't matter. What matters now is that he was drafted late in round three. He's not going to start right out of the gate. He's right there with Dorian Williams and DeMarvin Overshone and Dayon Henley. If you were doing your homework, all of these guys were projected to go in, on day two. Every one of them. So I don't know why there's so much disparity in, uh, in rankings when you look at IDP rankings, when you look at blended rankings, when you look at rookie drafts, and you see Dorian Williams and DeMarvin Overshone going around or around and a half or two rounds after maybe Drew Sanders or some of these other players. To me... There's not much separation. You can make the case that Dorian Williams could be the second or third linebacker ranked. I went with Drew Sanders because I think he has the highest sack potential here because he was recruited to Alabama as a five-star recruit as an edge. He finally got his opportunity when he transferred to Arkansas, and he got after the quarterback this year, and he was tremendous. So he might be a little bit of a hybrid player. I'm not saying he's a skill set of Micah Parsons, but used similarly to how Dallas used Micah Parsons last year. So that's why Sanders is number two for me. It has nothing to do with pre-draft narrative. He's got the most intriguing fantasy skill set. But his draft capital does not separate him from these other guys. If anything, it should put him in a big tier with these other guys. Deion Henley, I love him as a player. But he should not be clearly going further ahead than Dorian Williams and DeMarvin Overshone. Dorian Williams might get every opportunity to replace Tremaine Edmonds and be an impact player this year. He's athletic. He's got range. Same thing can be said about DeMarvin Overshone and Trenton Simpson. But Trenton Simpson's even a little bit refined and, and stuff. So I just I think this tier should be from two to six. Drew Sanders to DeMarvin Overshone and all these other guys in between. I have it, Sanders, Henley, Simpson, Williams, and Overshone, but I think you can mix it up and it's not crazy. And to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't invest because I like 28 offensive guys so much. I probably was never going to get an opportunity to get a guy like Drew Sanders or Dayon Henley. But I, do, I would have an opportunity for guys like Dorian Williams and DeMarvin Overshone because I don't think they should be going that much further after. So once I see guys like Sanders and Henley going, I think I could wait 8 to 10 picks, but other people think they can probably wait 12, 14, 16, 18 picks. I think they should be closer together. So that's my, my second tier there. Sanders, Henley, Simpson, Dorian Williams, DeMarvin Overshone. I really like Dorian Williams. He's, a, he's an X factor. If you tell me you want to put him at number three on this list of, of linebackers, I can totally buy it. I think you could even make the case he could be number two, to be frankly honest with you, with the opportunity there that awaits for him in Buffalo. Next up for me, almost in his own tier, because I don't really know what to do with him, is Marte Mapu to the Patriots. A lot of people play on MFL. Right now in MFL, he's classified as a safety. He's only 218 pounds. When the Patriots drafted him, they announced him as a linebacker. He's on their depth chart as a linebacker. But right now, MFL has not made that adjustment. So he's in a weird place. If he was 100% guaranteed to be a linebacker, 
I think he almost goes at the end of the previous tier after Overshown. He he has he went higher than Overshown. He went with before Dorian Williams. He went before Trenton Simpson. He went before Diane Henley. So why are we putting him further back? This is a guy that Daniel Jeremiah, arguably the best draft evaluator on, out there in terms of the, the NFL, in terms of you know what we see in terms of the media, had him in in the, I think. 75th on his big board. He wasn't surprised when he was taken. He liked his player. He he said he was his favorite player to watch on film. The Patriots obviously liked him. The Patriots have went small school prospects like Kyle Duggar and turned them into really impactful fantasy players. So I think they have plans for Mapu. He's really athletic. If he tested out pre-draft, he probably would have been beloved by more people in the community and the industry. I'm not going to say he would have went higher. He already went really high for an off-the-ball linebacker. But right now, the uncertainty about position in terms of position designation for fantasy is why he is, uh, in, in, for myself, kind of in his own tier here. After that, I kind of don't really love any of the other linebackers. I think depending on how deep your league is, maybe there's one or two more names to stash. Uh, Henry Toa Toa, who went to the Texans, a lot of people thought he was going to get picked earlier. He's maybe a guy who can be that fifth-round linebacker and just his instincts, his techniques— his play recognition, could that supersede the athletic limitations? And could he rise up the depth chart? Yeah, he's worth a stab, I think, late in, in rookie drafts where you redraft IDP. And Owen Papo to the Arizona, same idea. Even if you want to say Cervakia Dennis, I kind of get it. Uh, but these are guys that it all depends on how deep you are, how what type of uh, taxi squad where you can stash these guys is. Uh, those would be my next guys. And then I rounded out with Nick Herbig. Uh, at 11, who went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yasir Abdullah at 12, who went to Jacksonville. Noah Sewell, who went to the Bears at 13. D. Winters, San Francisco at 14. Ventral Miller, uh, 15 for me, went to the Jaguars. Zai Barnes uh, at 16. And then Jalen Graham uh, to the 49ers is 17. Of that list, I'm most intrigued by Nick Herbig. It's really interesting to see how Herbig, how they use him, right? Because he, I think he was at his best in college as a pass rusher. So how he fits in there and can he make the full-time transition to off-the-ball linebacker? It's going to be interesting. Did they use him as a little bit of a hybrid player? Uh, so Toa Toa, Papo, Dennis, and Herbig would be four guys that I think are draftable in deep leagues. And then the rest of the guys I think are just guys you're kind of watching on your waiver wire. If we take this to the defensive backs, uh, for me, four players are maybe draftable. And that's Brian Branch, who went to the Lions in the early portion of round two. Sidney Brown, who went to the Eagles uh, on day two. Jordan Battle, who went to the Bengals on day two. And then Jair Brown, who went to the 49ers on day two. I think those four guys, to me, Branch is kind of in his own tier. And then I think Brown Battle and Jair Brown are, are in that next tier. I just think Brian Branch is very versatile. think like we've seen player a player like Charlie Garner. Jordan Garner-Johnson uh, be very productive in IDP fantasy circles. I think Brian Branch could be that type of player, uh, but defensive backs are usually the least valuable of all the IDP spots. So I, I think he would still go pretty far in drafts. Again, it all depends on your settings and stuff. But I, but I think Brian Branch, you know, would be the clear first defensive back taken. And then I think Sidney Brown, Jordan Battle, and Jair Brown. I would prefer Sidney Brown first, and then Jordan Battle, Jair Brown a little bit later. But I think you can make an argument to mix and match those guys. Uh, but those are the four guys that I think deserve to be drafted. After that. 
Uh, it really depends on, on league settings and, and do you have to start two corners and you know two safeties or is it just two defensive backs? I like J- Jartavius Quan Martin. I think he's another versatile player similar to Brian Branch. So he might be able to, he might be one more guy who's who's draftable because he's got that versatility. Then after that you're talking about taking a stab on Dave Free safeties who fell, right? Antonio Johnson could be a fancy viable player, but does he ever get an opportunity as a 5th round pick? Chris Smith, another 5th round pick to the Raiders. Does he get an opportunity? And then you start talking about some of these cornerbacks and I I look for the cornerback position those guys who are not afraid to play to run tough physical I think Devin Witherspoon clearly in his own tier in terms of the cornerbacks but then Deontay Banks and Joey Porter right behind them you know they those guys are not afraid to mix it up they're 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 physical press style corners so I think in terms of cornerbacks Witherspoon Banks and Porter Jr. would be my top three followed by Julius Brents very physical very athletic who went on day two those would be my top four cornerbacks. I kind of have them slated here as 8, 9, 10, and 11 on my DB rankings. And then I finish it out with some more cornerbacks like Christian Gonzalez, who went to the Patriots. I don't think he's going to do much in the tackle, so he'd really have to be about ball production. Same thing with Emmanuel Forbes. Again, not going to be a guy who gets a lot of tackles, uh, but obviously elite ball production in college. DJ Turner, who went to the Bengals. Riley Moss, who went to the Broncos. Tyreek Stevenson, who went to the Bears at 16. Kaylee Ringo, 17, went to the Eagles. 18, Cam Smith to Miami. 19, Garrett Williams to Arizona. And then 20, Anthony Johnson Jr. of Iowa State. Uh, seventh round pick, so I don't like having too, too high rankings. But there is an opening there in Green Bay if they don't re-sign a guy like a veteran like Adrian Amos back. Uh, so keep an eye on Anthony Johnson Jr. just in case he, he gets an opportunity there. There are some people who do like him. But I think in terms of DBs, if it's a league that you have cornerbacks and safeties mixed together in terms of defensive backs, I only think about four or five should be drafted. Uh, and then maybe if the cornerbacks are included, it stretches out to... Uh, you know, maybe nine, ten guys, because there are some intriguing cornerbacks that that are physical, tough, and play to run well. That I think would have some value in that setting. So there it is, guys. My D line edge, my linebacker group, and my defensive back group. If we were going to start talking about where some of these IDP guys uh, would be situated in my overall big board, let me bring up my overall big board here. Again, this is just the offensive side of it, but. Let me kind of talk about it here. Like, I look at my big board here, and I wouldn't even start considering, for me, I wouldn't start considering any of the IDP guys, uh, for me, with the first 15 picks. I think the upside of even guys like Devin A. Chain, Jaden Reed, Kendry Miller, and Zach Charbonnet supersede you know, what Jack Campbell and Will Anderson can bring. If it's a really heavy IDP scoring, I can maybe say after Jonathan Mingo at 11, then maybe I would slate in Jack Campbell there at 12, and then maybe Will Anderson at like 16. That would be a scenario that that I could see uh, based on the scoring. But for me, those are the only two guys that I would have in my top 28 overall big board. So Campbell, again, depending on settings, maybe 12, but the furthest would probably be 16. Will Anderson, I don't see a scenario where I'd probably have Will Anderson 
before like that 16, 17. So like, I, I think Campbell could be as high as 12. If not 12, he'd be at 16. And then I think the earliest for me, including Jack Campbell, where I'd have Will Anderson would probably be 17 before we got to that run of wide receivers. You know, the day two guys, Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, Rachel Rice, Marvin Mims. So that those would be the only two defensive players in my top 20 would be Campbell and Will Anderson. Then for me, I'd have to get out of this top 28. I keep talking about it. I didn't make a change since I did record the last pod. I, I moved up Ty J Spears slightly above Tank Bigsby because in one of my drafts, that's what I did. And, you know, once I make a decision in, in my own draft, I adjust my rankings, you know, after I put them to the test. But for me, that next guy, group of guys and whether it's, you know, Wilson or Jalen Carter or the other linebackers like Drew Sanders or any of those guys, I wouldn't start thinking of them until around pick 29 in my rankings. And if you add that, I already would have had Will Anderson and Jack Campbell there. That means 30 names are off the board, right? So in that 31 spot would be where I would start saying, okay, 28 offensive players off the books, Will Anderson and Jack Campbell off the books. Then I think it would be very heavy defense, I would want any of those, before I started drafting guys like Hendon Hooker, Chase Brown, Eric Gray. Now, Hendon Hooker's a little bit interesting, right? Obviously, if it's super flex, maybe he gets pushed up a little bit. But I wouldn't be drafting round five running backs like Chase Brown and Eric Gray or tight ends who I don't think have tight end one ceiling like Loon Shoemaker or Darnell Washington because he's got Pat Fryer moved there and then wide receivers like Michael Wilson, Charlie Jones, Tyler Scott. I would not be drafting any of those guys before I drafted Drew Sanders, Dan Henley, DeMarvian Overshone, Dorian Williams, any of those guys. All of those guys should be going ahead of these round five running backs, these tight ends, and these wide receivers that you're seeing here on my ranking in that 30 to 36 range. I would take all those off-the-ball linebackers. I would also take guys like Nolan Smith and Will McDonald and, and those that group of defensive line guys, all of those guys, from Lucas Van Ness to Nolan Smith to, to McDonald and that whole group of my guys, the other round one guys, you know, from the defensive line group. Then maybe I would also mix in there. I, I would probably take guys like Shoemaker, Darnell Washington, Chase Brown, Eric Gray, and their upside over a defensive back. So I'd probably take those guys, Brown, Gray, Shoemaker, and Washington before I took a guy like Brian Branch. But then right after that, I would go back to the defensive side and I would take more of those edge rushers from the second round, the Ojolari, the Unduk, uh, Ojolari, Derek Hall, Foskey, Keon White, uh, add the linebacker there, Mapu. I would take all of those guys before I started veering into the wide receiver group there. You see for my offensive rankings at 34, 35, and 36. I like Michael Wilson. I like Charlie Jones. I like Tyler Scott. But I'm, I'd am i rather draft a defensive edge rush, pass rusher who went early second round that has 8 to tacks, eight to 10 sack upside before I took one of these wide receivers that need a lot of moving parts. And even if they get those moving parts to hit, these guys probably don't have wide receiver three upside. 
there's a tremendous amount of wide receivers in the league. So if Charlie Jones hits, he's probably a wide receiver 4-5. If Tyler Scott hits, he's probably a wide receiver 4-5. If Michael Wilson hits, he's probably a wide receiver 4-5. I think there's a much greater chance that guys like B.J. Ojolari or Isaiah Foskey or Keon White being, you know, DL2s than it is these guys ever hitting wide receiver three status. I'd rather have a guy who's got DL2 three upside than a guy whose best case scenario is probably wide receiver four or five. So that's kind of where I would rank them. I'd go through all of those, that tier of all those day two pass rushers I talked about before. Mapu, Sidney Brown, those guys before I took Michael Wilson, Charlie Jones, Tyler Scott, maybe not the defensive back, but definitely the pass rushers and the linebackers. Then maybe this group of Wilson, Charlie Jones, Tyler Scott, Zach Evans, Chris Rodriguez, Dwayne McBride, those guys before then maybe I went back to the well uh, to take some more IDP guys. I think the IDP guys are falling too far. I think if if you're taking in the second early to mid portion of round two of the NFL draft, I think teams are looking at these guys and a lot of these pass rushers, they think eight to 10 sack upside. These round three linebackers, they think those guys could be starting caliber three down players. I think all of those guys are way more valuable than any of these guys like the wide receivers like Wilson, Jones, Scott, Evans, Rodriguez, McBride, Israel Abaconda. So for me, after those top 28 or 29 offensive players, if you want to include Hooker in there, I get it. After those top 29 offensive skill players, to me, the next big chunk to get to my top 50 would be IDP guys with Chase Brown, Eric Gray, Shoemaker, and Darnell Washington mixed in there. And then I would go Wilson, Jones, Scott, Evans, Rodriguez, McBride, and Abaconda. I just think so much has to happen for those guys like Wilson, Jones, Scott, Evans, Rodriguez, McBride, Abaconda to hit, to be an RB2, to be a wide receiver, three at least. So much would have to happen. Not a lot has to happen for those guys to be DL2 threes. And a DL2 three in a league where you start two or three defensive linemen, those guys are valuable starting pieces. And I just think there's a much greater chance at an early second round defensive end edge rusher becoming that then a fifth-round linebacker wide receiver becoming fantasy viable. So it would be a lot of heavy IDP. I think the depth of this rookie class is in IDP than it is. I think it's very top-heavy. Like I said, 28 picks, and then I think the offensive side kind of drops off really hard. But I think then after that, the rest of the top 50, there's a lot of IDP guys. Maybe they're not top guys, and that's why only Campbell and, and uh, Will Anderson would be in my top 30 but from like 31 to 50, there's a lot of IDP guys that I think are relevant. And I would have a lot of those guys with just a few offensive players mixed in if I was making a consensus big board. So, guys, I, this was a request of, of a listener. Feel free to reach out to me. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't create a official big board blended if i get a chance to i will i'll put it in the rankings notebook i'll tweet out an image of it as well but feel free to reach out to me on twitter ask me questions would i rather take player x or player y would i rather take bj ojolari or michael wilson right i'll probably lean you towards michael uh, i probably lean you towards bj ojolari but some of it's dependent on your league settings or stuff like that so reach out to me i enjoy the interaction uh i will get back to you and, and let you know my thoughts guys if you're enjoying this content please get over to the website, SS Football, fastest and easiest way to get there. 
It is still not too late to buy the 2023 premium notebooks. There's a lot of value. I am updating this rankings notebook regularly. Dynasty rookie rankings are updated almost every day. My Dynasty rookie tiers are now a part of that. My IDP rookie rankings are a part of that. If I get a chance to create that blended big board, I will create that. Uh, My positional Dynasty overall rankings, I've been telling you that they've been coming. They are fully updated now. Every move from free agency, every draft. So now positional Dynasty rankings are updated as of May 26th. I have 35 quarterbacks ranked. I have 61 running backs, 75 wide receivers, and 40 tight ends. So you could use that for trading in your dynasty leagues. You could use those rankings for startup dynasties. Uh, I put a lot of time and effort into making those to making those rankings. Uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it if you check it out. And then, obviously, that's just one notebook. You get the scouting notebook, which has up over 100 detailed player profile scouting reports on the offensive players that were just drafted. And then you get the draft projections notebook. And while the draft is, is coming past a while ago now, it still has thoughts on over 400 players in there, a snapshot of who they are. So if you want a little bit more on these IDP guys, that's the perfect place to go. It gives you a quick snapshot who they are, their size, their frame, their athleticism, their strengths, how they win some developmental areas, you know, to kind of help you get a better idea of who these players are and how they might translate into your fantasy leagues. So there it is, guys. Another episode in the books. Again, if you can't purchase the premium notebooks, please, wherever you listen to the podcast, rate, review, subscribe. It greatly helps us tremendously. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.